I just want to say one quick thing before Katie comes up. Who here has um, uh, ever been involved with a, a, a meeting or in a service where Ken Grenfell was ministering? Hands? So about half. I just want to encourage you, don't look at this and think, ah, oh, yeah, we'll see, whatever. Put that in your calendar. Um, some of the most pivotal moments in my life have been uh, under Ken's ministry. Uh, one very quick story, and then Katie will come, is um, when I was a, a lot younger and living in Ontario, my parents were leading a church there, and Ken came with his wife, Michelle, and ministered. And uh, he came to our youth, and he did this, uh, this sermon with a cheesy synonym, cat fat. Anyway, and it was, and um, so, you know, everyone was, the, the kids were there listening, and, and it was just, you know, it was good. It, it was, but at the end, Ken stood there, and he said, okay, I'd just like to pray for a few people. And he brought this one guy up who was standing behind him, who I knew very well. And as Ken was talking, this guy's head just dropped, and he slowly was just like very, um, went to his knees, and, and Ken hadn't looked. But as soon as he sort of dropped his head, Ken just turned around and said, young man, that's the presence of God. And every single kid in that place sat up in their seat. And for the next half an hour to 60 minutes, Ken just went through these 30 kids and just prayed and prophesied over them. And they experienced powerful, powerful things in the Holy Spirit. And the same thing happened a few nights later in the church. He said, if you're hungry for God and you want to experience God, why don't you come? And the entire church lined up around the auditorium and for about three hours, he just prayed with his wife, Michelle, and prophesied. And it was, I had the privilege of standing there and catching people as they were hit by the power of God. And hearing what he said to these people was scary specific and was scary life-changing for them. So I encourage you, put that in your calendar because it's going to be a powerful time because I believe God wants to minister his presence and his power in each and every one of our lives. Amen? Katie. Mask mix function there. I have so much more hair. I know I make this joke, but it's like they just don't know. <laughs> you guys just don't know. I'm sorry. Anyway, my name is Katie. For those of you that don't know me, and I'm excited, um, yeah, to be continuing our series through Luke uh, this morning. Um, if you guys have been around, you know we're kind of tackling about two chapters each week. And so as the preacher, we kind of look at it and think, okay, God, what do you want to say or what's stirring in us? And so, yeah, this week it's my turn. And so as we turn, if you want to turn with me to Luke 12, um, this week was Luke 11 and 12, and we're going to be kind of camping in Luke 12. Um, but before we get into that scripture, I kind of want to just share with you um, a picture in the last couple months that I've kind of had in my head kind of a scene that just as I process life and some of what's, you know, happening in our lives, um, it's been really helpful for me. Um, and I'm hoping that, yeah, it kind of connects with some people today. I'm a pretty visual person. And so I think sometimes I kind of pray pictures and God gives pictures because I, I feel like I need to see it. Um, and so the picture that I had a couple months back was just kind of walking on a beach 
Um, for me, it was like a warm beach because I like warm, sandy beaches. Don't get me wrong, I love Canada's rocky, rugged beaches, but um, yeah, and just so walking on the beach and kind of, you know, when you're walking um, sort of at the edge of the waves, maybe like your pants are rolled up, you're not like fully in the water, you're just kind of enjoying a nice leisurely walk and the tide is rising and the waves are coming in sets and um, just kind of in the picture, this kind of rogue wave just comes and sort of takes me out and uh, lose my footing, very gracefully kind of clamber back to shore. I don't know if you guys have some good wipeout stories. I'm sure the surfers do. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm an anxious or a fearful person by nature. Um, I'm probably more of like a realist. I wouldn't say I'm like optimistic, but I'm kind of real. And so when worry and stuff kind of chase me, I'm more like, well, let's be realistic. What are the facts, you know? But I do feel like in the last while, the tides of just fear, anxiety have sort of risen. I don't know if you guys would agree. Um, you know, there's been the last couple of years, I feel like there's been higher tides, like there's ebbs and flows in this, but we are so connected to media and just different information sources, and a lot of them, I feel like, have just been blaring fear in our ears. And as we process what's happening around us, a lot of us are kind of like, you know, it's coming out of us too, like processing this fear and what's happening and worry. And, you know, when a couple years ago, kind of early pandemic, there was a hashtag of like faith over fear. Do you guys remember some of that? I saw it a lot on different posts and different preaches and, you know, it's good. Um, but it's like now we're a couple years into this and it's gonna take a lot more than a hashtag of faith over fear to get us through. And for me, just as I felt these waves kind of kept coming, It's like I, I've, my heart has been, God, I want to be on solid ground. I don't want these waves to take me out. Um, but I'm having to almost more intentionally make sure that I'm on solid footing and make sure that my feet are on the ground and that I'm not getting swept away by some of these currents of kind of fear and worry. And um, I certainly don't need to give you guys examples of what you may be fearful or worry about. I'm sure we have plenty. Um, maybe it is health or the threat of illness. Maybe it's the economy, right? Worry about your job or providing for your family. Maybe it's relationships, your kids, your elderly family that's had a rough go in this time, right? I don't need to give you reasons to worry this morning. Um, but I do feel like the tide has maybe risen and some of this just living with fear and more worry. And, yeah, in my heart, it hasn't necessarily been related to some of all, like all of the COVID stuff necessarily recently for us. Um, we're expecting our third baby, which is awesome, um, a little boy. And uh, there's just, it's just been weird. There's been bumps. There's been sort of weird findings and ultrasounds and stuff. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to necessarily be worried and anxious and fearful, but I just feel like these waves keep coming. And um, I want to be living in faith, God. I don't want to be living in fear, but these waves, I mean, and I sounded like I'm kind of whining to God. I sound like my kids, I'm like, I'm tired, I'm tired of standing. You know, these waves, they just keep coming. And that's, I mean, if you think about an ocean, the waves do, they, 
they keep coming. I mean, they're not all rogue kind of waves that sweep us out, but the waves just keep coming. And different things for different people. Um, but I think the biggest way that we can stand in this time is just to come back to his word and to make sure that we're grounding ourselves in who he says he is. And this passage in Luke that we're gonna look at, and hopefully you've found it by now as I'd rambled through that picture, Luke 12. Um, I just feel like this passage challenges us to remember who God is and bring some perspective and bring some reassurance. And it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. Um, and it sounds like it was maybe a bigger crowd, but now as he talks, it sounds like maybe the crowd is getting a bit smaller, but he's speaking to his disciples, right? So his 12 that were with him, the broader crowds. And Luke 12, we find it's kind of, it's a chapter that's sort of full of warnings. It's like warning against, excuse me, the leaving of the Pharisees and warning against storing up riches for ourselves and living for treasure here on earth. And then it goes through this passage, we're gonna start in verse 22, and it talks about just warning against anxious thoughts and anxious living. So let's read together there. So verse 22, it says, and I'm reading out of the ESV. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither reap, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So Jesus is saying, do not be anxious about, I'm gonna fill in the blank, really. But he's saying, you know, don't be anxious about what you're gonna eat or provision. Don't be anxious about your body, your health. Don't be anxious about your clothing, possessions. It's even saying your lifespan. And um, in some of the translations, it's interesting because when it talks about, you know, you can, who can add a single hour to his life, some of the translations say, who can add a cubit to his height? Like, pretty much, how of us, many of us would know we have no control over our height. That's like, genetically, it's done. We can worry, we can strive, we can think tall thoughts, but it's not, right? not going to make any difference. And we kind of settle that and accept that. But we have, yeah, we have no control over these things, but we still worry about them. And I was looking at an article from Psychology Today. It said that research actually shows that about 85% um, of what people worry about never happens. And when it does happen, I think it's 79 or 80% of it was actually pretty manageable. So we know that most of our worry and our anxious thinking isn't super fruitful, right? It doesn't really lead us anywhere. Um, and yet we all do it. And some of us maybe more than others. Um, you know, I think if anything, we know that worry and stress kind of anxious thinking that there's lots of studies that show that it has really poor effects on our health. If anything, it doesn't really help. It has more negative consequences, right? The physical manifestations of what worry does. 
But all of that to say, Jesus is addressing this because he knows that we're human and that we worry. And that's actually my first point, which is pretty simple, but we will have worries because we're human, because we're not in heaven yet. And he knows that. Things will come up. And I just wanna say, I don't think it makes you unspiritual or unbelieving because you have anxious thoughts or fears that come up. And I think what Jesus is getting at is more about living in a constant state of being thrown by these thoughts or being dominated by these thoughts, being ruled. Like they're, you know, the Bible talks about taking our thoughts captive um, versus some of these thoughts holding us captive, fear and worry, just being in a place where it's like, I have no control and these waves keep coming and I feel like I'm out to sea. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Um, and the word anxious in some of the original language actually talks about it's like a part of a whole. So it's like being divided in parts or pulled apart. That makes sense, right? Like divided, distracted. I think it explains well what's happening kind of in our hearts and our minds. When we worry, when we're anxious, you kind of feel distracted. You feel divided. You feel all over the place. And I just think it's really key that Jesus is acknowledging that, that we have that tendency. But he's saying, don't let your thoughts be so divided or your heart so bogged down with the cares and the worries that we lose the big picture or that we're too distracted to seek him and seek his kingdom. And I think if you think about that picture, I've been thinking about that picture with the waves, it's but when the waves are gonna get us is when we're distracted, right? When, you're no, when you don't see it coming, those are when you're often gonna lose your footing. But I think again, it's really key that we remember who it is that's speaking here in Luke. As in, in some of your Bibles, this is gonna be in red, right? Because it's Jesus that's speaking. This isn't some distant God. This isn't a religious figure. You know, you weak, petty humans, figure it out. It's not the universe saying, you know, don't worry be happy. It's not good vibes. This is the God who came close. This is Jesus that's speaking fully God, fully man, the son of suffering. He didn't hold our worry or our pain or our sin at a distance. He actually came close. He walked with us. He was flesh and blood. He was tired. He was hungry. And I think he had worries. <laughs> but more than just talk, right? He lives this out. He actually goes to the cross because he loves us. And on the cross, he defeated our sin. He defeated our sickness, our brokenness, and our fear. So it's when he says, hey, I can take care of the birds, how much more valuable are you? The weight behind that is he actually gave his life because he was convinced that that's how valuable we were. That's the extent of his love for us. And I think that can be hard sometimes to wrap our heads around. It's a lot easier to say than to have a sink into our hearts. But it was so close to my heart, even in preparing this, 
of just his great love and his great care. He's not saying this as these sort of blanket statements. Don't worry. You know, how many times do we tell each other that? Like, don't worry, don't worry. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry. That's not how Jesus is approaching this. He loves us. He cares for us. He gave his life for us. It's him that's saying this. And I was so aware in preparing this that it's, you know, there's people on a spectrum here of some people, you know, you may battle with kind of passing thoughts of fear and anxiety, but some people really battle with this on, it's, they struggle with anxiety or worry. I mean, it's not just passing thoughts, but it's like a battle for your mind, a battle for sanity. And I certainly don't want to minimize that this morning. And I don't feel like when Jesus is speaking that he's minimizing that. I think there's, um, it's amazing we have resources today. There's really compassionate professionals that we can reach out to. And I just definitely was aware in looking at this scripture that, you know, sometimes in preaching, we have a tendency to want to make everything kind of neat and packaged and simple and just don't worry. You know, these are your three points. And I think sometimes that can leave people almost feeling like guilty of not trying, like I'm just not trying hard enough to not worry, or I don't have enough faith, or I don't, I just want to say I don't think it's an easy fix. I don't think this is neat and tidy, and I don't think this is the once and done, mind over matter, wave the magic wand. So even as we're reading this, just to encourage you, you know, if you've heard it before and it feels like some of these statements can just be simple or blanket, maybe not that helpful. I think sometimes when we get familiar with scripture um, and just the church, you know, like Wes was saying, you don't hear people put the second part of Psalms 139 on their fridge. <laughs> we, we, can get, we can get guilty as we get familiar with passages that we like. Um, you know, we kind of, we simplify them down to sort of bumper, bumper sticker statements. Um, and uh, in that, I just want to encourage you to remember and stop and remember who it is that's speaking. And that's the God that came close. This is the wise God creator there from the beginning. So aware of our weaknesses, so aware of our frailties. He then humbled himself to the confines of flesh himself. He walked this, he lived this. He knows what he's talking about. And I think there's something for all of us as he speaks kind of regardless of if this is a really big battle in our life or if this is just passing thoughts. Because when, we're, when fear and worry come rushing in, we need to remember who is on the throne. And we were singing to him this morning, worthy of it all, holy. When these things kind of rush in and catch us off guard, we need to remember who is on the throne. And this is a continual decision to trust him more and more, um, and to stand in the midst of waves and storms, and to keep getting up when waves knock us down. But what's wonderful is that we don't go it alone. Let's dive back in uh, to the passage here. So we're in Luke 12, verse 27. He says, consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, 
O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat, or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all of the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. That's the second thing I just want to point out. So the first one is that he, we will have worries. <laughs> second one is that he knows your needs. I think Jesus in this talks about practical things because he's acknowledging that we have real practical needs, right? Our bodies were made to need food. We've been wearing clothing since the Garden of Eden. God was there <laughs> since the fall. He knew that. He knew us from when we were formed in our mother's womb. He knows what you need to function on a cellular level in your body. And he knows what you need as far as a practical roof over your head and utilities and inflation and all of these things and details. He's not asking us to kind of be space cadets when he's saying, don't worry. Not that we're so out of touch with reality. He's just saying he knows. He says, even the sparrows and the ravens have needs, and God provides. He clothes the lilies and the grass. And I just think it's so reassuring that our Father already knows our needs before we ask Him. And yet He says, before He teaches them how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, which we see in chapter 11, which is before this, we also see it in Matthew 6. But it says that the Father already knows your needs. But then he teaches us how to pray. And in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he knows our needs, but he wants us to bring our requests to him. Our worries, our fears, our needs. He says, he teaches us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And I think it's amazing when we reflect on God and how he provided for Israel in the desert with manna from heaven. It was miraculous provision. It was daily and it was just enough, right? If they gathered more manna, it would actually go off. It was just enough for the day except on, you know, right the day before the Sabbath, they could gather enough for two days and it wouldn't spoil. There's this piece of him knowing the needs of his people and him providing. And I'm absolutely preaching to myself in this. We've had big changes in our world personally. Paul started his own business a few months ago. Um, I'm off work right now. Just some of the practical safety nets in our world, they just aren't there the way that they usually have been. And so to remember that he is our provider and that we look to him and that he knows our needs, that we can trust him. You know, we can plan and we can work and I think we can become really good at being self-reliant, that we stop looking and we stop asking for that daily bread. Um, but it's good to be dependent on him. And he's created us to work and to be faithful, absolutely. But he's also asked us to live surrendered and dependent on him. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been good for me to hear this. I've definitely um, gotten a lot for myself out of this and for our family. And, you know, it is worth mentioning that he says needs 
that he knows your needs, doesn't talk really about our wants, and that's a bit of a whole nother tangent, but what scripture is not saying is don't worry because you're gonna get everything you want. I mean, what parent says that to their kids? Probably one that's exhausted <laughs> and losing a battle <laughs> with their toddler. Um, but he is a good and attentive father and he cares for his kids and he hasn't missed the details. So when fear comes crashing in and those waves come, we need to remember who is on the throne and it is our good heavenly father. In Luke 11, uh, verses 11 to 13, it says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he knows our needs, right? I've covered that. And in that, he knows that we need the Holy Spirit. Because that's what he's saying that he, the good father is going to give to those who ask him. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to stand in the midst of waves of fear and worry and all of these things, in the midst of tides that are rising. Because if we're left to our own devices and our own natural ability, we will be knocked down by every wave. We will, like, I don't know if you've been caught, like if your body's surfing or something and you're just caught in the waves and it's like you're doing somersaults and your hair is everywhere and trying to make sure you're covered and it's just like you're just in that barrel, in our own, left to our own strength, that's where we will be. But that's actually not our portion because we've been given access to supernatural strength in walking with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says about the Holy Spirit that he is our helper, our comforter, our counselor. There's a whole other preach there, but Friends, let's remember who our God is. He is our ever-present help in times of need. You guys are quiet this morning, but I'm hoping you're still with me. Chapter 12, verse 30, he says, we can be like everybody else, right? All the nations of the world seek after these things. So we can live with our hearts and our head divided, that anxiousness, right? Divided, distracted all the things. Or we look at the next verse, Jesus shows us a better way. Verse 31, the next word is, instead. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. And that's the third thing I wanna highlight is just, he's saying, seek my kingdom. So he knows we have worries, he knows we have needs, and in light of all of that, he's saying, now seek my kingdom. The Amplified says to strive for and actively seek his kingdom. So it's not a one-time decision. This is an ongoing seeking, searching, desiring, pursuing, asking, pushing in. Seek his kingdom, not our own. 
And sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word kingdom, it's, you're kind of like, well, what does exactly that mean? Seek the kingdom. What is he talking about? Seek, seek him. Well, we think kingdom, don't mean to simplify it, we think of a king, right? Still awake, yes, okay. Um, so really, a kingdom is just the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king. Another way to say it would be God's will being done on earth. So it's his rule and his reign in our hearts and in our lives, in the here and the now, not some future, but here and now. So this kingdom, it's not necessarily seek the church, right? The church is a part of this kingdom, but it's so much more than that. It's seek his kingdom, pursue his rule and his reign in our lives. And that means that we have to open our hands and surrender some of our own rule, our own control, our own plans. So that means that we're probably getting off of our throne. We're laying down our crowns or our tiaras. Or we're looking to let him be in control of every area of our life. Because if it's his kingdom and he's the king, then we want him on the throne. You know, in movies and stories, when there's somebody else that's on the throne, usually things are not in a good place. There's usually some bad stuff happening in the kingdom. And it kind of applies to our lives. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that of letting God take control in every area of my life, it's like, there's lots of things that I need to open my hand of surrender to him and not take back. And this is the better way that Jesus is talking about, the instead that he references in verse 31. It's letting him be king and be in control. We find even our worries and our fears we can surrender and give back to him. I think it's natural and it's easy to fall into worry and to fear when I'm in the driver's seat or I'm on the throne or whatever example you wanna use. But when it's my kingdom on the line and it's my hard work and my plans and my desires, maybe you've been um, a part of organizing a big event or a big project or maybe you manage people, right? When, when you're fully responsible, it's hard not to be anxious, right? Maybe it's more than just you in the driver's seat trying to hold it all together. Maybe some of this fear and worry has actually sort of taken control. Like those things are speaking louder than anything else. Some of our decisions are based more out of fear than other things. And I think fear is kind of a dictator, right? It makes sense. You don't want fear on the throne. When fear and worry come crashing in, remember who is on the throne and maybe we need to consider who's on the throne and make sure who's ruling our hearts this morning and in this season. As there's lots, right? If you're, you turn on the news for a minute or you open your app, there's a whole lot of other things that are wanting your attention, are wanting to divide your thoughts. I don't know about you, but I want to be in a place where I'm 
so amazed and enthralled and awestruck by this great king that I can't help but give him all of these things, control in all of these areas of my life. Because when he is truly able to rule and to reign in our hearts, in our families, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our bank accounts, when he is on the throne, he can bring his peace. Romans 14, verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3:15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I want the Prince of Peace to be on the throne in my heart because I want peace in the midst of waves and rising tides and fear and realities. And what's so key is that it says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit here is so key to surrendering this control back to him and to letting him be king, right? He's our helper. We can't do this on our own. The Holy Spirit guides us back to truth. And so as we pursue his kingdom and we actually submit to his authority, it says then all these things will be added. So it's not seek all of these things first and the kingdom will be added. The Passion Translation says it this way, as you passionately seek his kingdom above all else, he will supply your needs. And Guzik says that this choice to seek first the kingdom of God is the fundamental choice everyone makes when they first repent and are converted, right? When you come to Christ. But every day after that, our Christian life, and I would just say our life, because our life isn't divided into Christian or non-Christian, it's just our life. So every day after that, our life will either enforce that decision or deny it, that decision to seek first the kingdom of God. And I don't think this is necessarily about selling everything and becoming a monk or a missionary, unless that's what God is asking you to do. But this is about letting him be king and letting him reign in every area of our lives. It makes me think of that hymn of it, turn your eyes, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the world become strangely dim in the light of his glory, the king and his grace, right? It's almost, it's this picture of anxious thoughts, divided, distracted versus focus. We turn our eyes on him, seated on the throne. And I love what Jesus says in verse 32, still in Luke 12, he says, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. When the world and the enemy are megaphoning fear in your ear from the moment you wake up. Fear not, little flock. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And he's the one saying, I know you can't do this on your own. Hey, little flock, fear not. As his flock, he knows the needs of his flock. We are his people. And he leads them to where those needs are met, right? Green pastures, still waters, 
but not all rainbows and butterflies, right? Even through the valley of the shadow of death, even a table in the presence of our enemies, he is leading. And if we follow where he leads, we can believe these words, fear not. We have no reason to fear. It says it is his good pleasure. He takes delight in giving you the kingdom. Not necessarily all the things, but his kingdom. Heaven coming to earth, God moving on our behalf, God moving on behalf of those in our lives and just bringing life to those that are perishing. It's his good pleasure to give us eternity. So when fear and worry come crashing in, remember who is on the throne. He's a victorious king. He's our savior. He walked in the flesh. He is a good father who knows our needs, right? He's a good shepherd. The Holy Spirit, our helper. I wanna call up the worship team right now. Um, you know, I've read this and marinated on it, obviously, for myself in the last season. And just as the waves kind of start to rise, it's like, as I read it, I just feel myself swimming back to shore, just like hightailing it back to solid ground. And maybe today you feel a bit out to sea, um, fighting the waves, treading water. You feel far from the grounding of this truth and his care and you hear his voice calling you back. And maybe that's because you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and to take him at his word, but you can make that decision today to let him be king in your life, to surrender all of those things, all of those needs, all of those fears, all of those worries, and let him take control. And um, we'd love to pray with you today if that's where you're at and you want to make that decision. Paul's actually going to be here at the front. So as we're going to go into a song, he would love to pray with you. If you want to commit to letting Jesus be king of your life, Lord and Savior and all that that entails. And maybe you know Jesus well and you've walked with him for years, but this season of tides rising and a lot happening, you've been struggling with fear and anxiety. I just feel God is saying, come back to shore today. Come stand on some solid ground. Um, and I really believe that the Holy Spirit is here to help and to minister to you this morning. And um, maybe it's just been an active battle to stay on your feet. And you just, I believe the Holy Spirit just wants to minister and refresh and strengthen you this morning. Um, Angela and the team are gonna sing a song over us as we close and it's a, it's a new song for them and I'm really grateful that they were willing to, to do it. And if you've never heard it, just I encourage you to sit and listen to the lyrics and just kind of let it soak in. Um, this song has been yeah, an anchor for me. not fair. <laughs> Pregnancy hormones is not fair, but I just want to encourage you to soak and remember who is on the throne no matter what. No matter what you face. No matter what 
this world, this life brings. There's this incredible, caring, powerful God on the throne. So when fear and worry come crashing in, remember who is on the throne and let's let him be king in our lives and trust him with all of this stuff because he wants to lead his people. He wants to take us through. He wants you on solid ground making progress on your walk, not out to sea in the waves. <laughs>